welcome to Vintage News and Champagne Views, where we take a trip to the past as we try and sip on different champagnes. I'm your host, Sylvia Concha, and today my guest is William Leslie. How are you doing today? I'm great, beautiful. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you for the company as well. Always. So, I see you brought a bottle of champagne. I did. I brought my boy JB, product of France. Okay. Jack Bardelot. Beautiful. He is a delicate apple aroma and fresh flavors of citrus, pear, and white peach with a crisp finish. Beautifully blended, this champagne offers a soft, well-balanced palate. Pair it with soft cheeses, fresh fruit, and seafood. I wish we had some soft cheeses. <laughs> oh, it sounds so good. Apple, pear, white peach. Yeah, that oh. sounds like it's going to be really crisp. And how much was it? I think $32.99. Okay, so it's like a medium price champagne bottle. Yes. And it says champagne. It's medium, yeah, absolutely. So I think it's, it's actual champagne. So it's real, real dill. Because real champagne is expensive. Um, <laughs> awesome. And Top shelf for America. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful dark bottle with like a lime green label and a gold top. It's beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much for bringing it. Absolutely. I'm so excited to try it. I'm not a champagne expert or anything. I just love how it tastes and how fancy it makes you feel and just some experience from serving and stuff in the past. But done with champagne and now to the true crime stories in the newspaper. All these stories are straight from the newspaper. This episode's stories are from the Memphis Appeal paper dated back in March 16, 1889. I'll be reading them straight from the paper so everyone gets to hear authentic words and diction from the time. And I think it helps paint a picture of like the stories themselves. Only things I have omitted are disgusting slurs or any racist words or phrases or any individuals, because we're not about that. But this is a true fine contest, so things will be crazy and some story may be disturbing to some, but I'll try to sprinkle in some fun anecdotes and other stories from the past. So, William, are you ready for some champagne? I am. Let's get it popped. Exciting. Oh, it has a pink top. Let me take the label off. <clears throat> All right. The bottle's been moved a lot, so I just pray it doesn't explode. Good. Awesome. You ready? Ready. Woo! Woo! Beautiful pour. Oh, thank you, thank you. Give it to you. To the first episode of Vintage News and Champagne Views. To the first episode. Woo! Woo! Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's wonderful. Very like crisp. You definitely taste the apple. I like the peach. Yeah, very apple and white peach board. Awesome. For sure. Well, thank you again. Absolutely. We'll be sipping on this through this. All right. So, William, are you ready to go back in time to Memphis? I am. Take me back. So, I chose Memphis because, well, we live in Memphis and you're from West Memphis. So, it's not a story that I picked. I think we'll kind of touch on where you're from. Well, grew up area. So, um, you can give us an insight if you have any. Well, first insight. West Memphis is not actually Memphis. It's a small town in Arkansas, but just across the bridge from Memphis. Fun fact one. All right. So the day is March 16th, 1889. It's a Saturday. The weather says 8 a.m. 54 degrees and 8 p.m. 64. We'll have a max temperature of 74.9 and minimum temperature of 54. Okay, decent day, decent yeah. day. 74, almost 75 degrees on a March day kind of feels hot. Yeah, maybe a little swampy. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the current president at this time was Benjamin Harrison. 
And we mm-hmm. all, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, not to be like that, but I, I've never, never heard of heard him. Combination I think he's like a very early president, to be fair, but I did Google him to give some insights. People didn't know, like you and I. Yeah. So, according to Google, his hallmarks of Harrison administration were unprecedented by economic legislation, excuse me, including the McKinney tariff, which imposed historic protective trade rates, and the Sherman Antitrust Act. Harrison also facilitated the creation of national forest reserves through amendment of the Land Revision Act, which I don't know, that's not pretty good. Okay, BH taking care of business. Uh, yeah, so awesome. So, I'm going to name like a few titles, type out. I about maybe 10 stories I'm going to tell you. If we run out of time, we'll say this for another time. But I'm going to name this the title and let you pick them. Nice. We'll go I think there. the bottle should last us 10 stories for sure. Awesome. All right. Let's go. All right. So I'll just pick like a few to start and then you can stick. So we have Rod Lowry's Downfall. We have Murdered on Faithful Wife. And we have Oakland, Opening of Oklahoma. The opening of the whole state, maybe that one. Okay, kind of light one for the viewers. So nice. nice, nice. So opening of Oklahoma, Washington, March fifteenth. The cabinet today had under discussion the opening of Oklahoma, or at least a portion of the territory, including within its limits. The president of authorized by the terms of the recent legislation to open the settlement around 8 million acres of land, and the opinion prevails that he will shortly issue this proclamation adding that acreage to the public domain. Wow. I was just like, we're just opening a whole state. A whole state. Who counts that, by the way? Who goes out there and walks <laughs> 8 million steps around? Yeah, because, I mean, again, it's 1889. They're still riding wagons. That yeah. was like the first page of this paper. Well, they have cars in, like, Germany. But not in America. <laughs> not, in not in Memphis. Not in Memphis. But I just think that's pretty interesting because just, just, just old news. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have lost items, strayed horses. Oh, I know one that maybe you want to hear. It was the if he's still kicking, and as long as he's seen him kick, I know you're interested. Yeah, as long as he as he's seen him kick it, I have no idea what that even would be. All right. So you ready? Ready. In this story, I've been excited to read to you, just because some of the names. Okay, and this one is actually in Arkansas. Um, as long as he saw him kick is the title. A desperate encounter between two Arkansas men. Clarksville, Arkansas, March 15. J.P. Underwood, living four miles from here, became enraged in difficulty today towards his renter, John Williford. Wow. <laughs> Later, Underwood <laughs> met, his, met by Williford, who threw a gun down on him. Under, under good dodge behind a gatepost, Williford advanced, placed the muzzle on the gun within two feet of the post, and fired twice, cutting Underwood's left shoulder and slightly wounding him in the left leg. He then clubbed his gun and broke it over Underwood's shoulder. Then he clinched, and Underwood drew his knife and cut Williford's throat from ear to ear, nearly severing the head from the body, and stabbed him 40 to 50 times, or used the expression, as long as he saw him kick. Underwood's wounds were very slight. Yikes. So, I don't know if it's the same Williford in West Memphis. I don't know if it's spelled like W-I-L-L-E-F-O-R-D. No, it's not spelled like that, but it also, it could have been changed sometime in the day. Like, maybe they were like, oh, my great-grandpa, man, he's got his ass beat with time <laughs> to death. Like, he got stabbed like 50 times. It's such a shame. We need to change the name. For the viewer's point of view, Williford in West Memphis is like, 
one of the three only people that sell the houses in town. Yeah, the only landlords. Only landlords. So when I saw this, when I saw Renter, I was like, maybe this is him, you know, out here. Like, and also kind of mind me of like, they got an argument and cut someone ear to ear. Like, what the hell? The fight just just (laughs) escalated so rough. That's how the 1800s was. Yes, like You start off with a, a disagreement and you end it with stabbing a guy as long as you see him kick. Literally, this is, I'm going to read you a, but at the same time, I'm going to switch it to this other story called The Jury Played Poker. That sounds like somebody's not about to get brutally murdered. (laughs) Yes. And also, it just kind of shows the time. Also, March 15th, this one was in New Orleans. The fact was brought to light in the criminal district court today. The jury in the case of Geo Dunn tried the killing of James Ware was locked up for the night after the case had been given to their hands, played poker for hours. Judge Evan, counsel, accused who was convicted of manslaughter in making the appeal for new trial testimony offered an open court showed how the jury men had passed their time in deciding the application Judge Baker said 12 men supplied with a quart bottle of whiskey, a deck, and cards, and a handful of beans who played poker from 12 o'clock at night to 4 in the morning and holding a man's life in their hands. Could not possibly give the prisoner a fair trial as long as presided over the court. He could not sanction even a thing, and therefore he was granted a prisoner in a trial. Thank <laughs> God. What the fuck? They're just going to play a game of Texas Hold'em over his life. I'm like, that doesn't show, like, the West. Or, yeah. like, back in the time, they're like, we're going to take this over a poker match. And a quart of whiskey Like they're, they're like, I can't think any better than that. And whiskey was, like, that good, just straight. absolute... Poison. poison yeah absolutely but that was another story okay the next story is kind of like just a general announcement i guess but it also is kind of like an ad because if you read any of these old bads they always talk about like impurities of blood is like why people are sick Ugh. so like everything's like oh cure the impurity of blood and also typhoid and headaches so you know oh yeah the cure-alls pretty much you know snake oils but this one's called successful businessmen so this is what a successful businessman in uh, 1889 who are the most successful businessmen? Go out on the street and look at them over. You won't find the men who have pale cheeks. They are not thin, emancipated men. They're not nervous, irritable men. They're men who face indi- indicate robust health. Men with good blood and plenty of it. Robust. I know. That is the secret of their success. A man whose blood is thin and weak and poison purities is never successful like his healthy neighbor. You cannot expect him to be without rich, strong, nourishing blood. He'll lack the vim and push, which the man... Must who would succeed? Such men should use Dr. Pierce's golden medical discovery to store their impurish blood into normal condition. <laughs> By the use of this great blood purifier and builder up of the systems, they may put themselves up to a condition which will enable them to win and success that they are anxious to achieve. Wow. You know what this sounds like? What? It sounds like Pedialyte. Oh, really? It sounds like when your blood gets thin, <laughs> stop that. drinking that rot gut and you mm-hmm. would have thin blood. They don't want no thin, emancipated men. <laughs> no pale cheeks around here. We need flesh red ones. So the next story is a little graphic. It's called Murdered Wife. Murdered His Unfaithful Wife. Yikes. Atlanta, Georgia, March 15th. C.E. Hamilton, a railroad man, cut the throat of his wife in the Kimball house this morning. He has proved his wife's infidelity and followed her up to get to their child. She refused to give up their child, and he cut her throat with a razor. There's a bare possibility that she may recover, but not likely. Oh. And that's it. No update, nothing. Don't know if he's maybe in another article. I'll see if he gets a trial or not. Or 1800s, like she cheated. 
Well, she had you, you did what you were supposed to. Yikes. Yes. <laughs> so right now, I'm also like, people really love to slit like their throats back in the They day. love that shit. They really like, know the weak Like, there's guns, right? Like, I feel like. I guess they're too coy for them, right? Maybe that's what it is. Damn, well, we're in the middle of Arkansas. Oh, my. I think it's time <laughs> to pour myself another glass. You couldn't hear it before. Maybe you can hear it this time. If not, my glass is full and almost overfilling. I can attest. It is very bubbly. Thank you. <clears throat> Cheers. All right, so the next one I'm going to read is Rod Lowry's Downfall. Rod Lowry's Downfall. He is charged with stealing two overcoats he used to put in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Vicksburg, Mississippi. It's so cold. March 15, Rod Lowry was arrested and committed to jail tonight, charged with stealing two overcoats He from a saloon. He is a nephew of Governor Lowry. He attempted some months ago to brain his wife with a water pitcher. Jesus And Christ. subsequent divorce proceedings were... Reprimanded, remembered. I'm like, brained his wife? What a statement. Like, is he going to teach her not to do that again? Is that I what brain know. means? It sounds horrible. It reminds me of this other story I have called The Six Year Old Murderer. I don't like that title. Yeah. So this one's Norfolk, Virginia. March 15, Buffalo. An African American child of six years' age has been arrested, charged with the murder of Rhetoric Harrison, 10 year old also an African-American child. While these two boys were playing together on February 28, a dispute took place between them. When Buffalo pulled a paling from the fence nearby and struck Harrison with it, and yeah. the nail end entered his skull. Oh. Nothing serious was thought of it until yesterday when Harrison died. Nothing serious was thought about it? That's what killed I was like, oh, it's okay, just boys being boys. Yeah. We've all taken a rusty nail to the head. And... Exactly. So those are just some crazy stories. But to switch it up a little bit, I have some lost items and some straight horses. Which one would you prefer? Oh, lost items, okay. for sure. I want to hear about people's <laughs> trinkets missing. All right. So we got a lady's pocketbook containing a small amount of money and bread tickets. Return to 488 Mississippi Avenue. Oh, you ain't seeing that again. Bread, bread tickets? tickets? Yeah. I, I should have looked that up. I don't know if they sound like fucking gold back then. I don't know. Maybe it's like, I get my bread tickets to the store. It's like old-fashioned food stamps. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. A pair of children's spectacles between Market Street School and Exchange Street return to 180 Main Street and will be rewarded. <laughs> on, popular on popular street between 2nd oh. yeah, close by, and turntable purse containing between 50 and $70. I wouldn't put that out there. I'm just saying. Yeah. Some papers and receipts. Fine will be finder. Please return to WJ Chase & Co. and be rewarded. Is that going to reward them the 50 to $70? Or does that seem Also, WJ Chase & Co. I'm like, <laughs> I know, fancy. <laughs> On Thursday night, tortoiseshell lagnetta opera glasses. Regal. Yes, <laughs> S.J. Shepard, Corner Court and 2nd Street. And then a 116 hand black horse mule, about four years old, straight on the night of March 8, reward for his return to H.G. Oh. Millie 238. That's like 16 hands. That's huge, right? It's a big horse. I don't know how they're supposed to be. But they also said it mule. Feels huge. And then they have around that is strayed or stolen. One swirl coat branded under. Main and on jaw with letter eight, strayed the night of February 26th, returned to Frank Smith Corner of Poplar and Dunlap Street for reward. Oh, okay. Yeah. Frank Smith's got money for you. Yeah, reward. All right, the next one is strayed horses, because it kind of goes with the theme. Yeah. 
So these straight horses, um, one Swirl Texas horse, 14 and a half hands high, white star and forehead, return to 70 Jimmy Street. I know, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's smaller than the mule? I guess. A $5 reward for a yellow or light Swirl mule, 16 hands high. There we go again. Neutral pacer. And then we have $10 reward. Bay Texas horse, 14 to 15 hands high, five years old. Also, another Texas horse, if it's five or six years old, will pay $5 each for the delivery to 61 Monroe Street. I'm like, you lost two horses, sir? Damn. They don't want to like, be there with you, sir. Yeah, they're running away. <laughs> oh, and then, like, at the same time, you can kind of look at the. Uh, they're running. Like, some of the properties that were for sale at the time. Ooh. So this one really, there's like a bunch of them. This one, Kamai, when it said, special bargain cottage, five rooms, 82 and a half times 150 on Walnut convenient to streetcars, $2,250 cash. Wow. Like. For a five bedroom. And then, on, on Walnut? So is that like Walnut Grove? That's what I'm guessing, maybe before they named it Walnut Grove. That's when I had the price. It was a cottage inside home from $700 to $10,000. And all the oh. houses had like seven and nine rooms on Poplar. And then. Uh, 10000 back then. I know. And like, to be fair, I know that's a lot of money then, but that's still like a lot of money now. All right, I got about four stories left for you. Sounds good. Have you been doing yourself? I have been. Have you... Champagne's been great. I was just going to ask. Stories. Awesome. I awesome. love the brutality. The brutality. Well, hold on to your footsteps because the next story is a little brutal. Okay. Disclaimer, everybody. It's called A Father Holds Improper Relations with His Daughter in Murdershire. I spoke too soon. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't think anyone would be expecting that all of a sudden after lost horses. Rough. Already. <laughs> all right. A father holds improper relations with his daughter and murders her. Chicago, Illinois, March 15th. A warrant is out for the arrest of John Jones, a clerk in the large grocery house, charged with an unnatural intimacy with his own daughter. Disgusting. I'm sorry to interrupt, but why is everybody named John Jones a horrible person? That's true. <laughs> or like Jones is somewhere in there. No offense to anybody. That's Jim a good Jones. Jones' uh, <laughs> Jones, 17-year-old daughter named Nellie. Nice. I know, disgusting. Uh, died at the county hospital shortly after 1 o'clock this morning. The physicians think it was arsenic poisoning. The police draw an inference that she was murdered by her own father from the most revolting story. So it is disgusting. I <sighs> warn y'all. John is a widower and has had seven children. This is, three of them were in, orphan, in an orphanage asylum where he has kept the other four, which is already concerning that he got rid of three of them, but only got four of them. And I hope they're not only his daughters. Uh, yeah. Because one of them was the daughter that has now died. Ugh. And the most squalid, po and, and including his dad and daughter, the ones he kept were all in squalor, poverty, and neglect. Four days ago, the Humane Society began investigation. The girl Nellie, when closely questioned, stated that her father had improper and unnatural relations with her at intervals for about a year. Ugh. Father since said that young married man named Richard Betty and living in the neighborhood had also abused her, which I was like, even disgusting there. Yes. Like, you piece of shit. What is he friends with the dad? And he's married. Yeah. Jones and Betty were arrested immediately, thank God. Bedridge admitted the. Hey, why don't they stab them 50 times until they're done kicking? <laughs> Bedding admitted that he had been intimate with the girl and declared it was with his father's consent, which, like, fucking disgusting. Yes. Both were held in bail on further hearing, which was set for tomorrow. Jones was given bail and was released, which I'm like, he should have held him in here because yesterday afternoon, an officer of the Humane Society went to Jones's house and found the girl lying on the floor suffering from severe pains in the stomach. Ugh. She stayed in hospital and grew rapidly worse until she died. Jones, her father, has disappeared. 
Isn't that disgusting? And like disappeared. So we don't know. If I ever read updates in later stories, guys, I will totally update you. But those are the stories. So I have about. Oh my gosh. Yes, I know. All right, this next story is called The History of a Man, An Abandoned Wife, A Lit Love, and Blotchery and Suicide. Wow. I also like to point out this page is like a, it's like maybe like two inches long, but the giant 10-inch article next to it is about perfect laxatives and celery juice. But anyway, <laughs> The History of a Man. With like an image of a little girl. Yes, a little girl. She's bringing you your laxatives. <laughs> All right. Please so, shit better, Father. <laughs> so... Abandoned wife, it's kind of a sad story, I'm going to get serious again. Abandoned wife, elect love, debauchery, and suicide. Special dispatch appeal. Birmingham, Alabama, March 15. Early this morning when a barkeeper of Stoley Saloon, corner of 1st Avenue and 16th Street, entered a little shed in the rear of the store, used as a la- lumber room. He was horrified to find a man laying on an old table on the thrones of death. He gave the alarm officers and assumed the ground to take charge of the body. It was lying upon a pile of cast-off bed clothes, and beside it was a small vial bearing a skull and crossbones with the label veins and pebbles druggist birmingham alabama <laughs> which told the story of self-destruction in the pocket of the dead man's clothes i just like that it was a skull and crossbones like how <laughs> it was warned he knew what he was doing whoever drinks poison <laughs> in the pockets of the man's clothes was found letters which revealed his identity ww thomas of goldsboro north carolina and gave the details of an abandoned wife and home a lick love and a career of drinking, well, it just says drink, a career of drink and debauchery, followed by harrowing remorse, which made life unbearable. And he killed himself in some man's limb. All right. So the next story is kind of long. It's called Jumped in the Well, but it's kind of, it's pretty interesting. Wow. The origins of the reading. Yeah. Sorry, it's kind of long. <laughs> okay. So this story is called Jumped into the Well. Miss Harvey Jackson, irrational from melancholy over death of her husband, jumps in the well, sorrowful and re- retell it. Suicide by jumping in a well is not altogether unknown, route to great unknown, but is not frequently taken while the most not horrible method of self-destruction ever brought to the attention of public. It's insufferably so caused shudder to those who reflect upon the wealthy and cultivated inhabitants of Saratoga, Mississippi. And on Mississippi and Tennessee branch of Illinois Central Railroad, and upon beyond measure at the suicide of this manor Thursday afternoon, Miss Harvey Jackson was an unfortunate lady. Miss Jackson resided about six miles of Sanatobia with her son, ever since her husband's death, which occurred about one year ago from cancer. She had been given over a uh, over she had been given over to melancholy. This condition became more and more marked as the time wore on, and late caused a serious apprehension on the part of who knew her and loved her. During a few days preceding her tragic demise, Miss Jackson refused to eat, but little and barely enough to keep her body and soul together if persisted at all. All the persuasion endeavors of her son and their friends fell aroused from her and her pitiable state in which they had fallen. But not for a moment did they apprehend the desperate step irrationally taken on Thursday afternoon. Owing to the universal esteem in which Miss Jackson was held in the gloom of her death, cast upon an entire community, even in Satobia, everyone familiar with the suicide was exceedingly reluctant about it to such an extent did not the science prevail the number of people at sanatobia who knew her yesterday morning would not exceed a dozen and these preferred to keep their information quiet in consequence the details are very meager at the moment when no one was watching she wandered from the house when directly in the well only a few yards away distant and plunged into it her absence was soon noted that the terrible sequence discovered after a brief and earnest search it was diligent difficult that the lady was brought to the surface 
surface. Owning, sorry, I drank the champagne, it's getting to me now. Owning the lady was brought to the surface, owning to the depth of the well. The remains were buried yesterday. Miss Jackson was about 50 years old of age and her mother of two children, a son and a daughter. The latter is married to lives in Sanatobia. The family is one of the oldest, wealthiest, and most prominent in Tate County. Wow. Yeah, you know, which I thought was pretty sad, but I was yeah, like, she was like wealthy lady. and prominent, you know? That, that so, so that was pretty sad, but I thought it was yeah. worth reading. And there's also like a lot of well deaths back in the day. I'm sure you'll hear me reading more. I love more. how they were like, it's not, not uncommon to hear. Yeah. People jumping headfirst into a well. Unfortunately, yes. I would rather jump into a swamp headfirst and let alligators get me. I've also heard people jump in there to save children as another story I read, but I'll save that for you guys another time. Oh, okay. That's one more uplifting one. <laughs> one more story left. Sounds good. All right. The last story is called It's a Fake Treasure, which I thought was pretty interesting. I'll trade, change on the words due to unnecessary racism but it's called is it fake a wonderful tale of discovered treasure told by an told by an african-american an african-american called the appeal business office yesterday morning and announced that he wanted to advertise for the owner of a large sum of money which he said he discovered concealed in a hollow tree in Crittenden county arkansas which is west memphis people don't know the african-american man then told the following remarkable incredible story he said he was working in the woods almost four miles from Marion, Crittenden County, Arkansas, which is like where Will's from, so that's why I really like save the story for last for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and tidying wood for the sheriff Weber for that county, or cutting wood for the sheriff of that county. He had his dog with him and kept his eye on any stray rabbit that might chance along. Late Thursday afternoon, the dog freed a rabbit in a sweet grim tree. Uh, Freed a rabbit? That's what it says. <laughs> I don't know. but um, Separated it from the living? <laughs> lo- looking into the hole, glittering, a substance caught by this eye. It proved to be a tin can sealed at both ends and about two feet long. Uh-huh. No time it was, was lost in knocking out one end, and lo and behold, safely packaged under the horseshoe were 350 parcels of greenbacks. Ooh. Neatly done up, uh, strapped in a rubber band, the bills were in various sizes from $1 to $100. The amount altogether $75,000. I'm also going to start calling money greenbacks. Are you kidding me? How luxurious. Do, I'm um, sorry. Why do they make everything sound racist back then? I don't, oh, that's true, they too. call money money. Unfortunately. So the other way, the African-American man said he showed his prize to a young white man named Williamson. I just want y'all to know everyone in the South is named William, who lives at Barton. He says that this is also an African-American fellow laborer named Jake. The money was brought to Memphis and concealed, awaiting for claimant. Just here comes a weak point of the story. The reporter asks alleged finder to give his name and resident and exhibit to the story. This promptly agreed to do so and gave his name as Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and... His resident was. This is his four scores. Listen, his his resident was number seven Broadway, which is like the main street in West <laughs> Memphis. There's two. Broadway's one of them. He lives on the seventh spot. <laughs> he promised to show the reporter some of the money at six o'clock that night. That's what he said. At the time, named reporter who was at number seven Broadway was ought to be, but the lot was vacant. The people in the neighborhood had never heard of any African man named by Lincoln. Far different, the porter spent an hour in the neighborhood trying to locate Wells, but failed. The question remains, is it fake? 
This is fake. So that's the last story I have for you. I bet it's not fake. Absolutely not. Just like, if he brought it to the police, we confiscated it. Yeah. On the newspaper, and they wrote the story. Yeah. I also think, like at the time, would you want to put your name on that? No, absolutely not. Like, also, so they could say that you stole it exactly. or blame you. Like, like that's the first thing they're going to do is snatch that money from you and then immediately use your race against yes. you. Or all the people are crooked. The police are crooked. They could have kept the money. Yeah, the, it right? is like notorious that the, the Arkansas cops are like <laughs> always have been crooked. And it's Crittin suppo- County. And for some reason, they have also been like the biggest cartel type drug pushers around. They I literally just... have people drop off out of like airplanes. Either way, but in 1889, if I saw $75,000, I would have kept it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I know, unfortunately, being African-American, people would just accuse you of bad things. But I think that you were like a zillionaire. Also, who left that money? How interesting. Because I read another yeah. article. Westminster is only founded maybe the same year or year before this article. And they have lots like one, two, three. Seven number seven lot. So On like, Broadway. That was one so it's either the developers or someone who stole that money and maybe stashed it over the bridge from yeah. Memphis. Because also, like, who has access to fake money like that? It wasn't fake. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Is like back then, who has access oh, to a not printer fake. and yeah. then, like can get fake money like yeah, that? Yeah. So like, just the fact to find that much money, it's just crazy. Yeah. And I, I wish I would just be like, well, no one came up in 30 days. It's for you. But if you're going to waste on the newspaper where it was found, what it's called, uh, some of you probably came forward and said right. that. I'm also like, how can they prove it? You know? I know. I put that can there. Yes. This is the same shovel I use. Yes. Look at the dirt. It matches. And I can only imagine the population was like nothing out there at the time because now the population is so, so small. Absolutely. And apparently when it was like first started out there, it was like like nothing but bandits and crooks. <laughs> it's like a, there you a go. Bandits and crooks. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Uh, Champagne is all gone. Awesome. It was delicious. Truly. And I, that's pretty much all the stories. And it's all from the same newspaper. So it's pretty cool how many you skip from one newspaper. And if you guys have any ideas of a certain year or a certain newspaper, if I can find it, I would love to read stories about it. Or if you have like a personal story from way back then that you could tell me, I'd love to share on the show. This is our first episode. So I appreciate it. And if you want to be a guest or anything, but email us at vintagenewsandchampagneviews.com. We have an Instagram page. Follow us on Spotify and hopefully Apple Music soon. But if you like what you hear, like, and we'll make more for you. Thank you so much, and have a great night. Have a good night.